I mean, what's that about? Yeah. I mean, seriously. I mean, I for me, the gaining weight is like been. I could never gain any weight. I'm 125 pounds. I'm 130 pounds this morning, and it's not fat. There's no fat on me, so it has to be muscle. I mean, right? So I guess mm -hmm. if you eat muscle meat, you get muscle. I mean, is it that simple? I mean, yeah. pretty much. Well, yeah. I mean. It, well, when you think about what they say, you know, you are what you eat, right? right. You know, and um, well, I'm meat, so I should probably eat meat, shouldn't I? <laughs> I guess we're yeah. meat. <laughs> and, yeah, well, that's it. We are meat. And and that's the thing, you know, say, oh, you're not going to get all the nutrients. Like, really? Like, you know, we, the point of eating is to build and maintain meat. So what by definition is going to have every nutrient that you need to build and maintain meat? Meat. Meat, exactly. So, you know, and then they're saying, it's like, well, you know, there's all these toxic things in meat. Meat's so bad for you. Like, really? Is, is, is my arm bad for me? Does my arm have things in it that are going to cause cancer in my arm? You know, I mean, what kind of stupid sense does that make? You know, so, you know, like, um, it, it, it doesn't even pass the smell test, yeah, right. you know? And yeah. so, when you, when you look at it more, more closely, you'll actually see it. I mean, the, the evidence is abounds, but, um, but you don't even have to go that far because it's just, it's just right there in front of your face, you know? Um, yeah, the building muscle, that's, that's the thing. Your body is healthy now. You're giving your body what it actually needs to survive and thrive. And genetically, your body wants to have a certain habitus. You know, I remember thinking as a kid that just looking around nature, and just seeing all these, you know, fat, overweight, you know, soggy humans um, who have dominated the world. And I, and I look around at animals in the wild and they're, they're just ripped. There's just these massive yeah. muscular beasts, right? And I remember thinking, I was like, how did we come to be such a, the most dominant species that has ever existed in the history of the earth when we're, when we're you know, when we're just fat and slow and, and just unathletic as compared to anything else. And I was like, and why are we the only squishy animal on earth? Everything else is just a rip badass. And, you know, the explanation to me at the time squishy was, animal. Um, I like that. Well, yeah, everyone's, yeah we're, everyone's squishy, you know, it's just like, but you know, you go on the nature, you know, these things are rock hard, you know, they're just, just, yeah. just bags of muscle. And, you know, people were saying that, well, that's just because they're exercising all the time. They're out there running around, blah, blah, blah. Well, that doesn't explain animals in the zoo. You know, animals in the zoo live in a, they live in a box the size of a, you know, a room in a house. You know, that's the definition of a sedentary lifestyle. They're, they are there for decades. You know, have you ever seen a fat lion, fat giraffe, fat zebra? I haven't. You know, they all look, you know, they all look like they do in the wild and they all look ripped. You know, they look like they're on steroids or something like that. Just you know, and they, and they just feed them meat. Huh. Well, they, they feed them what they, they what they eat in the wild. So a zebra wild. will eat what yeah they eat in the wild, and uh, you know a lion they're only feeding them meat. And you know there are examples of of places that you know give uh, you know carnivores uh, you know some you know, some grains and sugary things. I remember there was a there was these they sort of rescued this wolf, a bear, and a lion from a menagerie, and they sort of were raised as as little uh, babies together, and they were they didn't want to be anywhere else. They wanted to be with each other. They were definitely family, and so they raised them in the same enclosure, and they you know very much um, you know like being there. And they, you know, you could tell this video was something they were they really wanted to go viral, and uh, and it did, but for for different reasons because these animals were clearly unhealthy they were extremely 
know, had these big jowls and were waddling around, had just this fat just pouring off of them. And they showed them feeding them like Costco sized bars of Snickers. Oh, you're you kidding. know, and oh, they're then they're like, oh, oh, eating this stuff. And, oh, look, he likes it. It's just like, and everyone was just like, what the hell are you doing? You know, like you are killing those animals and they got, they got very, they, people just came after them in the, in the comments and, and they, they've got very incensed. Oh, oh no, they, they, these animals are very healthy. We just give them those sometimes as a treat, you know, like, yeah, clearly. I mean, these things, you know, they, they look like they were almost bedridden. They were so obese and, and, you know, but, but people were astute enough to recognize that eating something that's not biologically appropriate for these animals was causing this obesity and disease. But that's a product that people buy every single day and consume, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, and you have yeah. the, these signs at, at zoos and at lakes and, and in parks that say, "Don't feed the animals." You know, these animals have a specific diet, and it's important that they eat it. And if they eat something, you know, human food or, or you know, bread or chips or something like that, or popcorn, you send them, they will get very sick. Get sick. Okay. Has anyone did, did the maker of that sign? think for one second after that and go like, well, if it's making the animal sick, you know, is it going to make me sick too? Like, might want to think about that. You know, you're eating that stuff too. In my, in my adventure over this last month of uh, uh, going around and watching some uh, carnivore guys like Paladino and some other people, um, interesting people, you know, interesting ideas close to you, but they've been doing fruit and honey and things. Mm. Um, and but really most of them are really big on you got to have organ meats you got to have organ meats you got to have organ meats mm. every day every day every day but i'm watching your videos that's not part of your no didn't we eat the organs though when we killed the bear and killed the killed the does Spe the buffalo specifically bears specifically bears no um you know uh, the liver of a polar bear will kill you uh, there's so much vitamin A in it. And so that traditionally in the Inuit populations, they don't eat the organs of the seals or, or the you know, marine animals that they, marine mammals that they eat. They don't eat the organs. They just eat the, the, the muscle meat, the skeletal muscle and fat. Um, you can't, you know, this is, this is something that I, I mean, I learned, I've known since I was a kid that, you know, any, you eating any amount of the liver of a polar bear is, is, a, is a lethal dose of vitamin A. You know, so, so, you know, this, the, the liver is, uh, you know, they say, oh, it's, it's, you know, the most nutrient dense part of the animal. That's, that's absolutely true. I do not dispute that for a second. That's my problem with it is that it is so nutrient dense as to be toxic. It can be toxic in uh, inappropriate levels. So, you know, let's think about it this way. You know, uh, you know, Saladino, who I, I have immense respect for, um, I, you know, I simply just disagree with him on the, the organ and the, the, the fruit and honey thing. And those are, those are just three points, uh, that, that we just disagree, uh, uh, quite strongly on. Think about it this way, you know, all, uh, you know, he's eating quite a lot of organ meat and, you know, he, uh, you know, promotes, uh, -huh. uh organ supplements and, so, and liver right. supplements as well. Um, so the, the amount of meat that he's eating, and he'll show you, he has these videos on Instagram and YouTube on, on how much organs he's eating and the amount of meat he's eating. He is eating roughly the same amount of organ meat as he's eating, you know, skeletal meat or you know, maybe a little more. I've seen that, yeah. Um, I've seen that. Yeah. Think about the proportion of organs to skeletal muscle. You know, you have a cow, you know, you, you can, for, for like a big cow, you know, you can have thousand more pounds of of meat skeletal muscle meat and fat 
Hmm. Okay. How many pounds of liver do you get with that thousand pounds this of one. beef? This one. Yeah, exactly. So you're, you're getting hundreds of pounds of skeletal muscle and fat to every one pound of, of liver. Okay. So no, you're not going to be eating that all the, all the time. So if you're, if you're a hunter out in the wild and you take down a, uh, you know, a deer or something like that, you're going to have a little bit of liver and then you're going to subsist on the rest of that deer for weeks or months. You know, a cow will feed one person for a few years, you know, like it's, um, you know, it's a, there's a lot of meat there. So you're getting a year plus worth of nutrition per one liver. So, so how much liver do we yeah, have? Well, so what are the, the pro uh, organ meat people? Um, if you talk to, have you done shows with them? And what is their argument for it? Their, their argument is that, you know, uh, that in the wild, we would eat nose to tail, that everything was very, the, uh, mm. you know, very efficient. They weren't going to waste meat and food. And, uh, you know, that, that, that may be true. Um, but we do know that the Inuits don't eat the organs. And we also know that there is a proportionality to this. You know, so yes, yeah, maybe maybe certain tribes are eating the organs. Like that's that's true, and, and fine, I'm fine with that. But how much are they eating? Because there's only so much. They don't. They're not going to uh, Safeway and just buying bags of liver. They're getting an animal that has a certain amount of liver mm-hmm. per muscle fat. And you know, and, and Saladino even says this. You know, he has this video. He said like, oh wow, I'm with the Hadza tribe, which is sort of an aberrant tribe for, for the fact that they eat a lot of honey and like a lot of other tribes do not eat honey and they actually have worse teeth as well and they have other health issues because of the honey so not a great argument for honey uh, just by following those guys but you know they would they would get a kill and they would get the liver out and they almost as he said they almost looked at it like reverently and they're like oh there's your liver and they would just and he's you know hunter would, would would take a little bite out of it they pass around take a little bite take a little bite okay paul that's one that's one bite per animal how much liver are you eating man like he eats a lot more than just one bite per kill and dances you know? with wolves remember dances with the that scene where they made a big deal out of the liver when he when they killed the buffalo right oh did they yeah and they gave okay, they yeah. gave him they gave him the liver thing yeah so so yeah. it's just these are these are good for us what you're saying but you just don't need a lot i mean do you eat any at all or yeah. do, do you eat any no. I've had I've had I can count on you know one hand how many times I've had liver in the last twenty years. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you you don't need it. You know if you if you want it, go for it. But just be mindful that because it's so nutrient dense that 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 can be a problem. You can actually you can actually get a toxic. Uh, toxic buildup of these things because vi- vitamin A is no. is a fat soluble molecule and so it doesn't just doesn't just rinse out with uh, with water like and, you know, and, and, and we humans we have the, we have the tendency if something is good for us and we'll do it a lot right it's like oh yeah yeah, yeah liver is yeah, well, great so I can have liver yeah. once a week or twice a week or something yeah. or yeah, or or just just eat it you know half your your calories come from liver you yeah. know I mean some people are doing this and they're going going way overboard and so you know I, there are some well so so Dr Saladino um, and some other people that that pushed the the carnivore side of things but also organs they end up having health problems really you know this is something that they talk about openly and you know people like you know there's a guy he's a blogger carnivore really is he's a funny guy and he has a lot of you know very good uh information but you know the guy 
you know, it doesn't, I, I don't, from what I understand, does not have a scientific background. And that doesn't mean that that's not the end all be all, but you know, he, he is one that sort of sees a study and that study says something that he likes. And so he says, Oh, look at this study. I'm going to, I'm just going to, you know, um, you know, change my life. You know, that's confirmation bias. You know, there's other things out there. You have to weigh the evidence and you have to weigh these things, uh, rationally. Um, but they, they all push organs. They all have organ supplements that they sell, you know, conveniently enough. Mm -hmm. And, um, so they, end up having uh, hormonal problems and thyroid problems and uh, and health issues. And they talk about this openly and they have different blogs and videos that, that Saladino's done and blogs that Carnivore Aurelius has done because he, he, he keeps his, his um, identity private. And they, and they talk about how, how the, they had these problems. They dropped their thyroid, they dropped their testosterone, they weren't feeling good for all these different reasons. Their electrolytes were all screwed up. Okay. So they were doing carnivore and, they, and these were sort of, you know, they came across carnivore and they were having sort of health issues and that this really helped. And they found that really interesting. So I started looking into it more. Uh, I came to this from, from a point of view of like, okay, no, humans actually are carnivores. Plants are trying to kill you. And, you know, fat is actually really good for you. Sugar's gonna, sugar's super bad for you. So I, I looked at it from that fundamental point of view that humans actually are carnivores. That's the kind of animal that we are and that all these other things are, are bad for you. So that that's where I came from. That was my solid foundation on that. So um, they didn't come from that same background. Um, they found that this was very helpful and beneficial to them when they recommended it to other people. It was very beneficial for them as well. But then something started going wrong. They started having health issues. And they concluded that this must have been from lack of car carbohydrates. And, you know, because they found this one study, mm. you know, with, you know, uh, very weak evidence that said, okay, well, if you don't have carbohydrates, this messes with different sort of you know, biochemical processes in your body. Well, your body makes uh, blood sugar. It makes glycogen. It makes uh, glucose. So you actually you don't need that uh, to come in exogenously. Um, and the other thing that they they miss is that they were doing this for like a couple of years. You know, I've I've been doing this for a decade, and I, I've not. I thought had you the said twenty years. Had. Sorry, I thought you said. 20. Yeah. So. So I, but that was, that was the thing. So I started this 20 years ago, okay. but then I sort of fell off because I didn't really realize how, how it was okay. you know, fantastic it was what I was doing. Um, and then sort of, so I did it for like five years throughout, um, you know, finished through my undergrad. And then, um, uh, when I was playing rugby professionally, it just felt amazing. I've never performed better as an athlete in my entire life than when I was on a, on a pure carnivore diet. Even today I'm back, you know, basically training or I'm, have the ability to train at that same level, even though I'm you know 20 years older, um, I don't have the time anymore just because of work. But when I do have the time, you know, I can be in the gym for four hours and not want to leave, you yeah. know? And yeah. And so, you know, sort of five years ago, I came back across, you know, this concept and, and that, you know, no humans actually are carnivores and, you know, this is the kind of animal that we are. And I was like, right. You know, I knew plants were trying to kill me. Just get these things out of here. And I just, just went, <laughs> just threw these things out. And that's when I really started digging into the research and really looking into this very closely. I see. And, and so, so 10 of the last 20 years, I've been a full carnivore. I haven't eaten any carbohydrates. And there are people in the keto community that have not eaten carbohydrates for 15, 20 years at this point. There are other people in the West that have been doing carnivore for 50 years, you know, and so, and, and, you know, entire populations around the world that have never eaten carbohydrates throughout the entire, their entire life. Mm. And so if, if lack of carbohydrates were going to cause a derangement in your hormones or your thyroid, 
it would cause it in these other people as well. It would cause it in me. It would cause it in, you know, uh, the, the, the Inuit and uh, the Maasai and all these different populations that they just eat meat. They're just carnivores. Would, uh, well, I mean, the Maasai would drink milk you, as well and that has some lactose. Yeah. But, would you, you know, go so far that, as to say, I mean, use your own words, but so with your strong opinion and your research and experience with uh, just eating meat, that the if people would try wanted to try this that their body would pretty for the most part figure things out and get back into yeah. balance it would without doing much of anything else it would the body's yeah. really built for that isn't it i mean isn't that what yeah. the body wants to do is to get back into balance yeah. That's it. Yeah, exactly. And so when when you stay out of your own way, your body <laughs> can just take care of itself. Yeah. And so when you're when you're eating naturally, your body will just do the rest. You don't need to micromanage it. You don't need to count your macros, you know, calories. Your your body can tell you through your satiety signals and your hunger signals, which are very different. Like I said, you know, sure. you get these derangements of your hunger signals when you eat carbohydrates. So when you come off carbohydrates, all of a sudden your brain sees your leptin, it's like, yeah, we're okay. We're good. Okay. Um so you have to sort of relearn your hunger signals. I, I go by taste. And so if meat tastes good, that means that your, your, your brain is telling you that it wants those nutrients because actually it actually changes. Um, when you're full, meat stops tasting good. And I have, I have patients that are you know, outside of neurosurgery. I, you know, I, I deal with people in functional medicine and try to you know, help people just get healthy and stay right. healthy and not need um, you know, medicine or surgery in the first place. And some of these people are trying to lose weight, some know a lot of weight, and they have, uh, you know, been had, had an unhealthy relationship with food uh, prior to that, and we're eating very large portions. And you tell them you can eat as much much meat as you want to, just eat what you're hungry for, and they come back after two weeks, and I and I tell them specifically, hey, you you go by taste and all these sorts of things, and you have to relearn your signals, and I and I walk them through this, but you know, some of them just sort of. You know, don't hear that part of it, you know, because there's a lot of new information coming in. Right. And so they're just sort of eating in the proportion that they're used to eating. And they come back and I say, okay, well, how's it going? And they say, I hate it. I hate this carnivore diet. It's, I just, I can't stand it. I hate eating meat. It just tastes good. I have to force myself to do it. And, and they're, they're very upset. And you know that they came in there looking for a fight and be like, I'm going to tell this doctor and I don't want to do this anymore and right. he can't make me. And it's like, um, and so, you know, um, and so I asked them, I was just like, well, okay, is it, is it always like that? You know, even when you start the meal at first, does it taste bad then? And, you know, they kind of, you know, go look around and say, well, well, no, I mean, at first it tastes really good, but then I get halfway through the meal and just starts tasting awful. I have to force myself to finish it and you know just tell them like well well that's that's your body just telling you to stop, stop. you know it's yeah and then so you know that that's you know, that's why i say eat as much meat as you want to eat mm -hmm. because if you're forcing yourself to eat it you clearly don't want to eat it right so that's um, so you don't look at pounds and say you have to have so many grams of protein and all that stuff no. you don't care about it no. If, you, no if you're if you're eating meat you, you will that will work itself out huh. you know i mean you, you sort of figure out these these calculations and these uh, 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 equations um <laughs> yeah. they're just mimicking what you would just your body would just get anyway you know most you know? humans so won't do this not because it's not healthy or anything but because it's just too simple you know, it's like, and yeah. it can't be that easy. You know, I can't. Yeah, I, it can't be that but easy. It is though. Yeah, it is though. You know, you know, I, I make, you know, because I, I am more in touch with my hunger signals now. So I, I sort of have an appreciation for how much I, I normally want to eat, and so I'll, I'll try to eat a little. I'll try to make a little more than I, I think I'm going to want to eat, and 
So I'll eat until it just stops tasting good and I'm not enjoying it anymore. And it's, it's an interesting thing because, you know, you, you make this steak and I'm, I'm really good at making steaks. I bet now. you are. And, <laughs> I bet you know, they're, they're just, you know, I, I, I've never been to a restaurant that cooks a steak better than I do with just, you know, Safeway beef, you know? And um, so, you know, I make this steak and, and the first part of it, it's just, it's amazing because I'm hungry. And, you know, my brain is saying, yes, it's rewarding me for mm. getting this nutrition in. And so it tastes amazing. It tastes amazing. It tastes amazing. It's really good. It's good. It's okay. It's all right. And I get to a point where I just go, oh, I'm just really not enjoying this. Why? It's the same piece of meat cooked in the same way at the same time. Why did it, why was it the best damn thing I'd ever eaten my entire life at first? And now it's just like, oh God, ugh, I, I couldn't eat another. I don't want to eat this anymore. You're done. I'm not enjoying You're it. Just done. Exactly. That's the thing because your, your, your brain is able to regulate this through your senses. And so it changes that based on, on what you need. So you're not going to overeat. So that idea of like, oh, you have to leave the table hungry is nonsense. You know, if you're eating appropriate food, then you can just let your body get at, yep. get on with well, it. Well, that brings it the Safeway thing. And uh, you want to, can you have time for do a few emails before you go? Sure. Okay. But, but before that, Hey, you said mention Safeway, and then I saw a video where you come back Costco with about five hundred pounds of beef, you know, from Costco. Yeah. But so, but I don't know. Don't you not? It's not important to have grass-fed, grass-finished meat, and without mm. with antibiotics and all that stuff. That's not important for you. Does Costco have that? Well, I didn't even know they had grass-fed. Or you tell me. They might. You know, it, it's. Um no, you're right. So, so, so grass-fed beef is is better than grain-finished beef. That's of course, hundred percent true. But um, you know, you think about it in, in in the same terms we think about our health is is you know is the cow eating what it's supposed to eat? Grains are not what a cow is supposed to eat. Right. So, a cow is not going to be as healthy as it would be otherwise, and, right. and so it's it's not going to be as healthy for us. That's that's certainly true. Um, but you know, even a grain-finished cow is eating grass for eighty percent of its life. And, you know, we're eating young cows as well. The nutrients don't actually build up as much as, as an older cow. So you, you want real, you want to really get to flavor country, get an older cow, you know, call a rancher directly and say, Hey, I want to buy one of your cull cows. I want the oldest one you got, No kidding. you know? Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. It, it is, it is out of this world. It's so much, it's, it's intense. It's a much more intense beef flavor is much stronger and and to the point that i i cook i had i got a 10 year old cow and it was grass grass fed its entire life and never had grains ever and it was much leaner but the the fat was just dark yellow you know just you know chock full of of uh, beta carotene and other nutrients and you know i did a taste test with like you know a prime new york strip from costco you know cooked all the same same way that i normally do it and then this this older cow um, after eating the older cow, I could not taste the New York strip from Costco. It had no flavor. It was just, it was just rich. I could taste that richness because it had more fat, but I, it had no beef flavor. Wow. I was really, really amazed. Yeah. Wow. So that's how strong the beef flavor is. Now, maybe some people, maybe that's not for some people. I thought it was amazing. And I, I felt supercharged on this stuff. I really felt, I, mm -hmm. I really felt the best that I've ever felt uh, eating that, that beef. However, that's not as readily accessible to everyone. I hope it becomes that uh, in the future. I hope that the that the market um, you know uh, adjusts for that. I think that would be uh, that would be great for everybody's benefit. But grain finished beef is still better than anything else that you're going to eat. And so I think of it as as uh, you know the 
the, the Olympics, you know, silver, silver medalist lost to gold, but the silver medalist also beat everyone else on earth. And that's what, what grain finished beef is. It's not as good as grass fed, grass fed, grass finished, but it is better than How everything about organic else. Organic and uh, without the antibiotics. Is that an issue for you? At a Costco or no, no, not, not too no. much. Um, no, the the thing is, is that you know these. You got to remember that these are these are products, you know, mm-hmm. and so you know a, a rancher is going to use these things economically so that they can turn a profit. If they're putting in a bunch of excess chemicals and antibiotics and hormones that are unnecessary and are wasted then they lose money that doesn't that doesn't help them so they're giving them antibiotics at certain periods so that they stay healthy and they find that you know when you do this you have more healthy cows and they they don't get as sick and that sickness doesn't you know go throughout the herd so you're not dying off of horrible illnesses um you know so you're protecting the animal that that is your job you know we uh, we have a social contract with these animals where, you know, we protect them, you know, protect them from harm, protect them from predators, heal them when they're sick. Um, and, you know, we feed them, we take care of them, then they take care of us. That's, that's the deal. Um, and, and you have to, you have to honor that. You can't, uh, you can't, you know, uh, shirk your responsibilities. Antibiotics can, can help with that, but they're giving them throughout the course of their life, not right before they die. And, you know, antibiotics get out of your system in a matter of, of days. Some of them stick around for like a week or two. But, you know, if, um, if you're taking antibiotics, you know, three months ago, those are going to be completely out of your system by the mm-hmm. time they, they come to slaughter. The same thing for growth hormone. You know, if you're, if you're giving them hormones, to you know to up the poundage you're giving them when they're very young so that they they grow by the time that they're for slaughter uh the hormones are, are nearly gone there will be some more but it, it's it's a minuscule amount it's a it's a vanishingly small difference. i don't know how it is there but here even in dripping springs we have i think four meat vendors right in our farmer's market right here mm-hmm. five 15 minutes away and all grass that's fed, awesome grass fed grass finished <laughs> talk to the talk to the guy and the girls that are making you know yeah. lamb as well so it's pretty cool. You yeah. Know. yeah, let's That's take very cool. Let's take this phone call. Uh good morning. You're on the air. Who's this? Hello? Hey Pat. It's Nancy in Nebraska. How are you? We're doing well. You're on the air with Dr. Chafee, Nancy in Nebraska. <laughs> Hi, Doctor Chafee. Um, I just have a couple questions. We do raise our own beef here in Nebraska and which is we're black Angus. Uh my husband goes with the genetics. So we do raise a, a better quality of meat, but um, mm-hmm. we do feed, you know, prairie hay and alfalfa and corn silage and all that. You kind of answered one of my questions just a minute ago, you know, whether to buy grass-fed beef or, you know, ones that have been fed all this other stuff that's been sprayed over time. Yeah. But like you said, uh, you know, most of their life, you know, they are eating just grass. So that was good. Mm-hmm. My main question is like you're you're talking about steaks and but what about hamburger? Is hamburger still good to eat or or do you prefer yeah. like a steak? Okay. Yeah, well, no, I didn't know. Yeah, no, ha- hamburger's great. Yeah. Yeah. And um you know so it, I mean it, it you know it's still meat, it's still meat and fat, you know sometimes there is a, a fashion that ground beef is is getting more and more lean just because that's what people have told is that fat's bad and and unfortunately people have believed that um much to their their detriment but 
Um, no, if you if you can get uh, fatty enough uh, ground beef, then that that's what you want, uh, and and that's sort of a benefit too because usually uh, fattier ground beef is is less expensive. It's cheaper. It's it's the the very lean stuff that's more expensive. But I, I have when I get ground beef, I go to the butcher directly, and I ask them to make me special batches of, of ground beef that are like 50 50 you know so I, I go straight past the 73 percent uh you know uh, protein and um and go straight for the 50 50 stuff uh and it tastes amazing you know any, any chef will tell you that fat is flavor and and that that really shows up in meat and so um you, know, you can obviously cook the stuff out if you're cooking it well done which i don't um but it, yeah it tastes absolutely amazing but yeah no ground ground beef is fantastic and, you know that's what what salisbury did with his salisbury steaks you know he, he ground it up but it's it's the same component parts it's you know it's still um, meat and fat which is what you want yeah i didn't hear all that because my computer kept bleeping out so, uh, <laughs> well it'll happen come out here yeah. get on the phone but mm-hmm. real quick too um so which i had you know i like kind of like an 85 15 uh mm-hmm. real fat in it but you know obviously we had lean done recently which i don't like it's too dry it's horrible Mm-hmm. But I did have a batch made and put, you know, my uh, butt, uh, Boston butt and uh, 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 what's the other? Ro- anyway, I had like some of the roast put in with the hamburger. And oh, my God, mm-hmm. that was so good. <laughs> but all right. Well, you Thanks answered so that. On okay. All right. Hamburger. Save Thanks, some of those Patrick. old cows for us. We'll come up and grab one. Give us an old cow. Okay. <laughs> all right. Thank you. That's funny. Yeah, the old cow thing. That's hilarious. Here's an email for Dr. Mm-hmm. Jay Fee, uh, Patrick Timpone, OneRadioNetwork.com. If carnivore diet is such a healthy diet long-term for humans, how come every carnivore doctor or practitioner, and I've listened to a lot of them on the Internet, mm-hmm. has food intolerances as soon as they stray from their strict meat diet? You even mentioned yourself mm-hmm. becoming suicidal when your mother made a pot roast with spices. Spices or having a cup of coffee made you your recovery really bad. I don't mean to be rude, but doesn't that indicate something is off in the gut? Wouldn't you agree that it's plenty of healthy people who don't eat carnivore can eat normal whole food carnivore, even with a history of vegetarians, um, athletes, one of them won the six Olympic golds in a row. Mm, no one, no one will won six gold medals in the row. Maybe have been shooting or something like that, but they had to do absolutely nothing athletic or darts or something. Um, you know, curling maybe. Um, who knows? <laughs> so, but, so uh, a vegetarian no, has that, won six goals, probably. Yeah, no, I don't know about that. Maybe it's something that actually doesn't take any sort of uh, okay. you, know, you know physical endeavor. Maybe. What about the food intolerance? Um, yeah, so no, that, that that's a good point. Um, the thing is, is that you know, we all have food intolerances because the, these things are poison. And so we're all intolerant to them. Now, why do we uh, notice them more uh, profoundly when we go carnivore, after we go carnivore? Well, I think it's, it's a combination of things. One is that you just now know the contrast. You know, we go throughout our entire life poisoning ourselves and we just feel like crap. Uh-huh. And so, you know, we have this baseline level of crap that we feel and, you know, that sort of goes up and down and we call that normal because that's what has been normal we're six for us. Or we seven, get out of- we're six or seven on a 10 or whatever we are. Yeah. And that's what we, that's yeah. normal. That's the way I feel. Yeah. Or, or maybe we think that that's a 10 out of 10. It was the yeah. best I've ever felt, but right. then you, you get all this out of your system 
and you feel a thousand times better than you've ever felt in your entire life. And now you realize what 10 actually is and you've been living at it too the whole time. And you go, oh my God, never again. And so it's not that, it's not that I'm necessarily intolerant to these things uh-huh. uh, from a physical standpoint. I'm intolerant mentally. I mean, like, I, do, I refuse to feel like crap ever again. And I, I will not eat this stuff anymore because I see the difference. The other thing is, is that like we were talking about with tolerances, you can, you can build up tolerances to poison just like you would alcohol or cocaine or heroin. Uh, uh, you, know, you know, psilocybin, all these things you build up tolerances to, and you can build up tolerances to lectins and to oxalates and to phytins and tannins and, and all these sorts of things. So you can build up uh, tolerances to these things. And then, so when you have these things out of your system for long enough, your body goes, oh, okay, great. We don't have to contend with that anymore. And we can just go back to normal. And then you reintroduce this and you just, you get hit full in the face because you don't have the, 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 the defenses built up to it anymore. You, you build them right back up. You know, it's not a big deal, but when you notice how much harm this is actually doing to your body, uh, a lot of people look at that and go, why would I ever put that back in my body? And I'm certainly one of those people. Uh, so it, it's, it's, it's twofold, I'd say, is you're seeing the contrast and you're, you've lost this buildup of tolerance, but you can build that right back up if you really want to. So that, that's not a marker that you're weaker. You know, that's, that's the opposite. That's, that's, that's hard evidence that this stuff is poison and that this is harming everyone. And just because you know, people haven't sort of, you know, gotten out of the matrix and seen what life is, could really be like, doesn't mean that they aren't being harmed from it. You know, they say, oh, I feel good, but you, I, but I argue that they don't even know what good feels like because they've been poisoning themselves. Well, I didn't know what good felt like, you know, and then all of a sudden I stopped eating this stuff. And, and within, you know, 10 days, I, I, I literally just felt like a different breed of human. My body worked differently. I had an unlimited exercise tolerance. I just came back from wow. Bangladesh at the time. I, I was, I was in, in, you know, in refugee camps, um, you know, volunteering as a doctor for months, um, just eating whatever the hell I could eat, not exercising at all. I came back. I was, you know, I was not in shape. I was trying to get, I wanted to get back into shape to play, you know, go back and play rugby uh, in Seattle. And, you know, and, and all of a sudden, you know, I stopped eating all these plants within 10 days. I'm still overweight, but I lost 23 pounds in 10 days eating more calories, right? So the whole calories in, calories in 23 out days. Wow. Ten. No, sorry. Sorry. 10, 10 days, 23 pounds. 23 pounds in 10 days. In 10 days. Yeah. A lot of that's going to be water weight though. Sure. You know, yeah. because you're, you're holding on a lot to a lot of inflammation. That's going to hold on to a lot of water. Right. Glycogen in your, in your muscles also pull in water. This is why our muscles look bigger when we eat carbohydrates because they get puffed up with that glycogen, just, just physically you know, occupying space, but also it draws in water. So they get, they get puffed up as well. Um, and so that goes away. You know, it's just, it's just fake anyway. It's not real muscles. So you maybe you look a little deflated, but those are, that, those are hard lean muscles now. You know, and you also get intramuscular fat. This is what you know. We we uh, feed grains to cows to increase the fat content, increase the marbling in the intramuscular fat. That happens to humans as well. And so you get intramuscular fat uh, in your muscles, and so maybe you you look like you have a big beefy arm. A lot of that's going to be fat if you're eating a lot of carbohydrates, and so that will go away. You'll lose this intramuscular fat. You'll lose the glycogen, uh, your excess glycogen that you don't need because your body's making enough of it and replenishing it, and it's going to to get rid of that excess water weight as well. And so, you know, you'll drop a significant amount of weight right away, and then you'll just start, you know, especially if you're exercising, you'll just start stacking on muscle and shredding fat. And that's what I found. You know, after ten days. 
I just felt like a different breed of human. I was just like, right, I'm ready to go back and play rugby. And I was just, you know, I was at a dead sprint the whole time, just pushing myself. I hadn't run in a year. Hmm. And yet I'm at a dead sprint with professional rugby players who had been training for the months that I had been in Bangladesh. And I was, I was keeping up with all of them and I felt great. And I didn't get sore and I didn't get tired and I didn't run out of energy. And most people, literally, I've had so many people call me a liar because I tell them that I don't get <laughs> the delayed onset muscle soreness. I don't get the sore the next day or the day after. I, I just feel great. And I tell people, I was like, look, this is, this is from the inflammatory factors and the toxins in plants or even in coffee. You know, I drank one cup of coffee, as this, this guy um, alluded to, it didn't make me depressed. It made me sore. I was, I was sore after working out for two days after that. And so one cup of why would I ever drink huh. one cup of black coffee? Wow. And so why would I ever drink coffee again? If that does that to me, you know, if this, is, this is how plants deter animals in the wild. They, they may make these poisons, they make you sore. So if I'm going around just feeling awesome and, and I just go around and I'm, I'm really hungry. It's like, okay, well, I'll eat this plant. It tastes bitter, it tastes crappy, but like, I'm hungry. So I have to eat it. And then I'm like sore and I'm miserable. And I feel like crap. I'm like, okay, well, don't eat that plant. That one's bad. <laughs> don't eat that you know, one. that's how these plants, that's how these plants survive, you know, and it, it's a learned response. But the problem is we force feed kids to eat these toxic things, which they know, they know very well is toxic, which is why they spit them out and cry and make a big fuss, which I certainly did as a kid and you know and when we're forcing them and we're indoctrinating them by saying no 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 no, this bad taste is good for you you have to eat this and that that good tasting bacon that's really bad for you and, you know it really messes up their heads and i and then people start going like oh no but i like salad it's like no you don't you know like no no you it's just you don't i think of this like stockholm syndrome <laughs> no, you, don't. you know where they just like you know they fall in love with their abuser you know it's like oh i like it when he hits me it's like no you don't just stop it you know this is bad for you like don't do this to yourself and so yeah so you know you, you now see this contrast so i'm living outside the matrix and i i eat some of this stuff and it makes me feel like crap and i just go right never eating that nonsense that that one, a big difference. Yeah, here's an email from manny uh I'm wondering what your guest thinks about other species like bison or goat or lamb or chicken. And he hasn't mentioned eggs. Does he eat eggs? Thanks for the show. Oh yeah, no, all, all of those are great. So so I, I consider eggs the same as meat. It's you know it's it's, okay. a, it's the precursor to meat. It's all the ingredients to make meat. You know, it's like that's all all the precursors that you know an animal needs. You know, that the, the new life needs uh, to form. And so, yeah, absolutely, uh, it, it, uh, eggs are great. Um, some people that have, especially like people with autoimmune issues, they seem to be more sensitive to things like eggs or even even chicken and pork. Um, probably to do with what the animal itself is eating. Like right. you said earlier, you might be you know, some of these stuff sort of filtering through that it, it's not actually bioadapted to break down. Um, and so it, uh, that could be it. But they they seem to seem to have a problem, especially with like egg whites. Um, and Why egg whites? What's, what's with the whites? I don't know. You know, I, I don't know. But that that just seems to be something that that I see hmm. uh, when talking to people with autoimmune issues. Huh. That's that's you know for whatever whatever sort of building up that's sort of causing a bit of inflammation um, is uh, seems to be uh, you know concentrated in the whites. The, the yolks are healthier anyway you know they have a lot more of the healthy fats and vitamins and nutrients and it proteins. tastes yummy too uh, it tastes yummy yeah yeah, yeah well that's it and that's and that's why huh. you know because your brain is rewarding you for getting proper nutrition and so it tastes better you know so the taste is um, really yeah. the taste buds are really tied in 
to the brain, which are tied into uh, what you what your body wants, kind of thing. It yes, with 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 a caveat. Um, you know, you have an outlier there, which is sugar, mm. right? So carbohydrates in general, your body's saying like, oh, okay, well, this is energy. We can sort of get this. Most sugars, like glucose, is is mildly sweet. You know, especially you know for for normal standard. Like when I, when I drink milk that tastes like I'm drinking ice cream now because my sensitivity, my taste sensitivity to, to carbs is much more sensitive. So like I drink a glass of, well, I don't drink milk because it has enough lactose to spike your insulin and cause the problems, uh, you know, derived from insulin. But every now and then, if I, if I were to, or back when I, you know, uh, previously, if I would ha- it were to have a glass of, of whole milk, because, you know, you want the fat, uh, especially raw milk. I mean, you're just drinking that, and it's just like it's like I'm drinking ice cream. This yeah, is it amazing. Tastes pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It tastes pretty yeah. good. Um, you know, I think I think that you know something with fructose in, like actual ice cream, would just be way too sweet for me at the moment. It would, it would probably just be like gross. Um, and um, but fructose is is quite sweet, and this is why we cultivate this in different fruits and plants to to raise that up because people like that. So um, we think that because obviously we don't know what happened in evolution and all this sort of stuff but the the idea is the the theory is is that fructose is the sweetest of the carbohydrates because there there isn't anything in any plant in nature that contains fructose that is acutely poisonous for humans it will kill you that day you know the fructose will build up the fructose will cause problems and there there may be other things in there that are harmful but it's not going to kill you that day and so we we've come to recognize um, the ones that recognize this as, as a positive flavor were the ones that said, okay, I can eat this and stave off starvation and survive, uh, whereas other people, you know, didn't have that ability. And so they, you know, they, they sloughed off. Um, so, it, you know, it, it's, it, you know, you can, you can eat plants and you can eat fruit if you're starving to death. And that is, you know, we're a robust species, you know, we had, we were closer to our herbivorous past than say like wolves and lions because, you know, female or felines are, you know, that most plants will just kill felines and more plants will kill dogs and wolves than will kill us. So they're more sensitive to these things, but, you know, so we, we can sort of survive on more. And so that actually gave us a, a survival advantage in, in different environments. Mm-hmm. But Okay. You know, if something tastes bad, that's definitely bad for you. If uh, something tastes good like meat, it probably is sugar's an outlier. Here's an email for you. Why use Eskimos as an example for health if their average lifespan's never been more than 50 to 60 years? Uh, do we have any good examples of long-term carnivores in history who live long and healthy lifespans? If so, what will translate to our modern high-stress environment Simple, such simple carbs such as fruit seems to be anti-stress and actually lower cortisol, promote progesterone, testosterone, and please don't respond with Lustig's studies, L-U-S-T-I-G-S, that has been debunked. Uh, first of all, they have not been debunked. That's nonsense, not. but okay. um, no, no, absolutely not. That's, that's complete garbage. But um, no, to, to answer your question, um, the, the Inuit, uh, their average life expectancy from birth, you know, maybe in the 50s, but, you know, the average life expectancy from birth of Americans in the 1800s was 36. Really? So, yeah, and, and yeah, yeah, because the, the infant mortality rate was so high. 
Okay, so you're in a Stone Age nomad, and you're especially if you're living in the Arctic you know, uh, circle, and you don't have doctors, and you don't have gynecologists. Um, you know, childbirth is very dangerous; it's life threatening, and these childhood illnesses and diseases. You are very vulnerable as a kid, and so you know, you know, three out of five children die in infancy. Like you need to have people living pretty damn old to bring the average life expectancy up to 56 if three out of five people are dying before they're mm. you know, before they're toddlers Interesting. so so that's that that's how you know th- you know there's um you know mark twain uh popularized the the phrase um you know there's there's uh there's three kinds of lies there are lies there are damn lies and there are statistics and so this is this is a lie of statistics. So you're using the, so some not, not this person is using them sure. uh, inappropriately, sure. but other people do, and they say that oh well these these things only live to be 56. No, that's nonsense. People did not live to be 56. It's not that the average life expectancy means that you get to 56 and you just drop dead of a heart attack. That means that you know 50 you know half of people are dying bef- below that other people are dying above that and and the average is 56 from birth but if you actually want to you know get into the numbers uh you know and, and have something a little more useful you'll you'll look at you know sort of the decade mark and so this is something that's actually been done so the u.s census data actually um shows this and so this is why i know that in 1850 the average life expectancy from birth was 36 because I have these and I've gone through them and they go by every 10 years. So at zero hmm. in 1850, the average life expectancy was was 36. So you'd make it to 36. But if you if you look at 10-year-olds from the age of 10, how long would they live? It was already to 56. So it was already a huge jump. So and then when you got into mortality adulthood, was yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was the deal. Yeah. And so yeah, so you you got past a lot of, of uh, early deaths. And then if you got, you know, it'd be 20 or 30, life expectancy was nearly what it is now, hmm. you know, and then, you know, so, and then you've, you've got to 80 on average, you make it to 80, 86. And now it's, if you make it to 80, you make it to 88, you know? So it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's very similar. Um, so no, they don't actually die in their fifties. It's that they're, you know, they have a higher infant mortality rate and that brings that down. And so that, that's what people uh, try to use to detract from that argument. And it's, and it's completely erroneous. Um, yeah, yeah. What, yeah, exactly. Yeah. What, what, what was the other part of his question there? Uh, something about fruit and fruit. Um, um, I kind of lost them. Let's see. Oh, uh, oh, he was saying, he was saying a uh, different, different, um, you know, uh, simple carbs, uh, simple carbs, such as fruit seem to be anti-stress, lower cholesterol, lower cortisol, excuse me, promote progesterone and testosterone. Right, I'd, love, I'd love to see the study or the biochemistry textbook that says any of that. Because it does, I don't think it exists. No, I don't, I don't think so. Um, you know, I mean, you're lowering cholesterol. You, I mean, you're talking about you know, things by being like a comfort food, like, oh, you know, it, it feels good and nice to have some, some pizza or donuts or something like that. And that may be true, but, you know, what, whatever transient effect that you have on your cortisol levels is going to be dwarfed by the damage that those things are causing to your body. Um, mm. And so, you know, that, that doesn't really, you know, uh, in, in the grand scheme of things you know uh make a net positive um he, he also said you know what are what are some other or what are some examples of carnivorous populations that had a long time well we already talked about salisbury who who uh lived with the native americans they were living to be 110 115 120 years old um the longest lived uh native american obviously this is by their records not uh you know a government stamped document so people say that it's not true but you know uh there are a lot of people saying this and they and they 
you know, have, have their own document or their, their own sort of records, uh, was it was a chief, uh, white wolf. Um, and he lived 137 years, hmm. you know? And so, you know, and then there's that, you look back at the, um, the Mongol horde, the Genghis Khan, the Mongol horde, these guys were much bigger than the average people at the time. They just ate horse meat, drank horse blood, you know, had some dairy products, and they they raged across all of Asia and Europe. There's the largest contiguous empire that has ever existed on earth. Wow. And they were carnivores and they lived a lot longer and they were much better. And, and the 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 books and the reports on these these people, they even talk about these people were better fed, they were better able to travel, they they were you know much healthier than the people that they were fighting. And they just crushed these people. And, um, you know, more than that, there's uh, different populations all around the world that, you know, they talk about like, oh, yeah, I was I was born, you know, the year that volcano erupted. And they're like, that was, you know, 105 years ago. You're still out here, you know, herding reindeer in in Siberia. Like, that can't be true. And they, they, so they just dismiss it. But, you know, there are tons of these people that are just like, no, 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 this is, this is how old this person is, how old these people are uh, in these car- carnivore uh, tribes. Um, you look at Herodotus, the original Greek historian, obviously chronicled a lot of different things in the ancient world. One of the things he did was uh, emissary from the Persian Empire. Uh, when they took over Egypt, went down to Ethiopia and talked to the king of Ethiopia. And the Ethiopian king asked the diplomat, said, okay, you know, what does your... What does the king of Persia eat, and what do uh, how how long do your oldest people live? And this guy, you know, described um, you know agriculture and making bread, and they said that you know our oldest people would live to be about seventy, um, not thirty six, as people say. So, um, and the you know, Ethiopian king sort of laughed at him and just said, yeah, well, no wonder you guys live such short lives if you just eat dirt. <laughs> you know, our people, you know, only eat you know cow. They we eat boiled meat and only drink. Uh, the the milk from our cattle, and we would live 120 years. Some people much much longer than that. And so this sounds braggadocious. This sounds you know far fetched. You know, and, and the you know the Native Americans are going to be 110, 120 years old. But we know as geneticists for the last 20 years or so now that genetically, chromosomally, humans are designed to live 120 years on average. Meaning that if you just stay out of your own way and don't mess up. You should make it to 120 without doing anything special. And yet we're dying in our 60s and 70s. Why is that? You know, that's because we are poisoning ourselves and we are putting things in our body that are harming our body. And these people that are just living biologically normal lives, which is being carnivore, they are living to be 120 in a healthy way. So, so people may say, well, that guy was just was just bragging and talking trash. But he, if he was bragging, he just happened to pick the exact number that we now have confirmed as geneticists that humans are supposed to live to on average. And he said, this is the average on the nose, you know? So, you know, maybe it's a coincidence. Maybe he was just lying, but um, it's pretty damn, uh, you know, uh, uh, interesting that he picked the exact huh. number. Here, you know? Here's an email from Juan. What does Dr. Chafee think about using herbs and spices for therapeutic purposes on a daily basis? Are there significant amounts of plant defense chemicals and herbs and spices that to be problematic in, as in vegetables? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, because they, these, these are still plants, you know, and so, and, and especially, with, you know, we, we use spices and herbs because they have a strong flavor. Well, that strong flavor is, is a plant warning you off. It's saying, hey, don't eat me. So if you eat a lot of that, it, it's, it's overpowering. It's just like, oh, I, you know, I can't, can't handle that. You know, that's because there, there are poisons in there. So that's what that strong taste is. Um, and so, you know, my 
you know, I don't just eat meat. I, I, I specifically avoid certain things. So my hard rules are, you know, no plants, no sugar, nothing artificial. And that would go for sauces, seasonings, and drinks as well. And if you're using things medicinally, that, you know, that's one thing, you know, a sure. medicine is just Herbs, a, yeah. a poison that, yeah, you know, a, you know, a medicine, even a prescription medicine is, is, is just a poison that's going to, con, you know, confer more benefit than harm in a given circumstance. But, you know, like, prescription medications, you're not going to take that if you don't have the problem for which it's prescribed. And so even though, you know, uh, amoxicillin is really good for fighting certain bacteria, I'm not going to just take that on a daily basis, you know, just because it's it's good against bacteria. And so, you know, you're taking this herb, oh, this herb is good for fighting cancer. And this, you know, it's like, okay, but do you have cancer? No. Well, then why are you taking chemo? You know, so if you're going to use things medicinally and you're going to use you know, herbs medicinally, you should only be using them if you actually need that medicine. Uh, otherwise, it's, you're going to get the harm uh, that, that comes with it. Yes. Yeah. Fascinating. Does Dr. Chafee uh, think that there's been some benefits to his dental health on a carnivore diet? Dental health. Oh, absolutely. Well, yeah. No. So my, my, my dental health is... It's gotten far better. I, you know, I don't, I don't get the plaque or tartar buildup. Um, you know, I, you know, I travel a lot. And so, you know, I don't, you know, probably a bit, um, uh, you know, silly of me, but I, you know, I, when I was living in Europe, I just, I just did not trust uh, European dentists. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I would wait until I'd come back to America and, you know, maybe that was a few years in between. And so, you know, I, I, you know, do that, but I always had, you know, good, good, um, you know, hygiene and things like that. Whereas now, you know, I, you know, I, I get a cleaning every every couple of years because I'm I'm traveling and things like that. And you know, I, I get people asking, is this like, you know, when were you, you know, when were you in for your last cleaning? And I was just like, I don't know, a few years ago. I was like, it looks like you've already had it done. Like there's nothing for me to do. You know, so I'm not getting the buildup. I'm not getting the, the carbs. I'm not getting probably the, the carbs and the sugar with the tartar. Well, you know, yeah. you know, we, we talk about our microbiome. You know, and and that going through our gut, but we have we have a microbiome in your in our mouths just as as much as we do in the rest of our, our GI tract, um, and that has to do with you know uh, you know making cavities and building up plaque and tartar as well. And so if you have if you're eating what you're supposed to eat, your your mouth is just going to take care of itself. You know, I mean, animals in the wild they don't they don't have these rotting, falling out teeth if they're just eating their normal <laughs> diet. They don't have crooked teeth. <laughs> don't have crooked you know, teeth. and they just. <laughs> No, they don't. You know, a crooked yeah. teeth has now actually been shown to be uh, nutritional. It's nutritional because of deficiency. the size of the jaw, right? The size of the jaw. Yeah, yeah. Just- yeah. So you need you need specific nutrients to grow your jaw and to and to build uh, healthy, straight teeth. And uh, and yeah, and you get you know wide wide jaws. And so this is something that Weston A. Price sure. uh, documented you know hundred years ago. Uh, he was a dentist who went around and, and he just started noticing these native populations. They had perfect teeth, perfect jaws. They're all their wisdom teeth were in. They didn't have a single crooked tooth. And we now know it's, it's published in, in dentistry journals now that that crooked teeth are not genetic. Small jaws are not genetic. These are nutritional deficiencies. So again, these diseases, these chronic diseases, and, and they cause a lot of problems. These these misdevelopments are coming from a lack of nutrition or poisoning. In this case, it's lack of nutrition. Generally, uh, vitamin K two is the deficiency, um, which only comes in meat. It doesn't doesn't come in plants. And so, vegans, vegetarians are having much more crooked teeth and orthodontic issues and braces and and uh, you know, dental caries and and rotting teeth, especially the hmm. the, the frugivores. Doctor Chapey, there fruit. must be some nutrients that meat doesn't have, right? There must be something. That's missing. Yeah. No, 
No, yeah, no. So that's the thing, you know, is is that it, it doesn't, you know, it, no. it has everything we need. Huh. Yeah. So, you know, and that's what people talk about, you know, well, we're omnivores. And it's like, well, we actually know that we're not. We actually know that we're apex predators and apex predators are by definition, you know, not omnivores. Um, but, you know, think of it this way. You know, it, it really depends on how, how you define your terms. Um you know, what is an omnivore? Omniv- omnivore to me in any, any rational sense m- means one of two things. Either A, you, there are things in plants that you have to have that you can't get from meat, so you need to eat some plants. And there are things in meat that you have to have that you can't get from plants, so you have to eat meat. So you have to eat both. Okay. That to me would make sense to be an omnivore. Or you can get equal nutrition from plants or from meat, and you can just sort of eat it indiscriminately. We do not fall into either of those two categories. Okay. Now we can eat some plants a little safer than a, a cat or a dog could, yeah. but that doesn't mean that that's optimal. So if we're, if we're thinking in the context of optimal nutrition, of optimal health, plants do not come into the equation. They, there are nutrients that only exist in meat that you cannot get from plants and fungus. There is nothing in plants and fungus that you have to have, which you cannot get from meat. So wow. to me, we are obligate carnivores because we have to eat meat. We are obligated to eat meat and plants cause harm. So that is how I would define that word. Um, and, you know, and so that, that's what I think is a, is a much more functional, uh, rational definition. Here's Paul in the UK. He wants to know if, if, if he could get some nerves to improve uh, in any way in his feet and, and, and lower parts. I had some damage done after some meds some years ago. Could he get those things back going, do you think? Well, potentially, you know, it, it depends on, on what's causing the problem. And sometimes, unfortunately, damage, damage is done. Um, you know, lack of sensation and numbness is, is tougher to get back. You know, so even, even in, in neurosurgery, when we have compressed nerves in the spine. You have the areas of numbness. And we decompress that nerve. Quite often, you'll relieve the pain. You'll, you'll you know, get more strength in the muscles that that nerve innervates. But the sensation, the numbness is one of the, the toughest to bring back. And sometimes it does come back and, and other times it doesn't, but it's, it's one of the, the more stubborn, uh, stubbornly persistent issues. So it, it depends on what caused it. It could be that the damage is done and that it's permanent, which would you know be unfortunate, but it's, it, it does happen. Um, there are different things like, you know, like, um, you know, peripheral neuropathies from diabetes. Well, this can certainly reverse diabetes and it does reverse diabetes. If you want to, if you have type two diabetes and you go on this for a number of months, you'll come off your medications. You, you may, even, uh, if you're insulin dependent, a lot of people are coming off insulin. Uh, even if you're insulin dependent type one or type two, you'll come down to a very minimal dose of insulin and you don't have to take uh, a, a bunch of doses when you eat, eat meals. You just have to take one background dose, like right. a, you know, a, a basal dose. And so you can, you can reverse diabetes. And so those causes of numbness in your feet or hands, could that, can be, that can be reversed. Yeah, 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 it could be. Um, if, if they're not past the point of no return, because again, you know, sometimes there is damage done, but it's always worth a try because even if it doesn't uh, fix that particular problem, it will still help you in a thousand other ways that you had, you know, didn't even think about before. And so it's still worth it. Cindy writes in, can I have butter? Well, you can have whatever you want, Cindy, but <laughs> that's funny yeah. how she said that. You know, it's interesting when yeah. people talk about diets, you know, they, they, what well, can I have this and have that? But you don't approach it like that really don't do you? The idea. Yeah. Can I? 
No, yeah. So, so that's the thing is that is that yes. First of all, yes, you can have butter. That's totally fine. You know, some people, like I said, like with autoimmune issues, sometimes they're a bit more sensitive to the proteins in dairy. Um, and so, you know, I, I like butter. I, you know, I melt butter into steaks. I think it tastes amazing. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, if you don't have any problem with butter, then then certainly go for it. You know, my my main thing is is really just not eating the plants or the fungi. You know, the sugar, or the, the artificial things. Uh, other than that, you can you can just eat meat. Dairy is a bit of a of a gray area. You're going to get a lot of nutrition from dairy but you won't necessarily get full complete nutrition like you will from meat and then it can be it can be pro-inflammatory as well the proteins in meat can can be or, or in dairy can be pro-inflammatory so it's just something to be mindful of jerry wants to know how many eggs you eat per day and do you eat them raw or cooked i i often don't eat eggs 98 percent of what i eat is beef wow and so just just fatty beef um when i eat eggs i actually had eggs today because i was i was a bit hungry when i went to work and normally i just eat when i get out of work but you know if i you know, i'm trying to get back in the gym and so when i work out more I, I i tend to eat more just because your body wants more because it's trying to build up some muscle um and um so I had ten eggs and six large strips of bacon ten eggs. at work today. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. Have you cooked them the whites too, or just do the yolks? They, yeah, they did. So I, so I had it at work, and they just they, they poached them up for me. And yeah. then I came back, and I had a big steak after work as well. And uh, yeah, and so that was that was great. But um, yeah, if I if I were to eat eggs, I'd probably do, do, do like ten at a time is my general thing. Um, if I have time to cook it, I you know the the fat and the tallow that's the, or the drippings that are in the uh -huh. pan. Uh, from cooking steaks, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll whip up a whole bunch of uh, eggs and 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 whisk them up, and then pour them in and make like a bunch of scrambled eggs with that tallow fat, and it's just it tastes great. Yeah. you know, you just added. I, I saw a video where you you've got this kind of uh, oven in your kitchen, right, with the flames. You got so what you oh, yeah. do is you just uh, sear them, right, the steaks, and how long do you cook them? And so they're pretty raw, aren't they, when we eat them? Yeah, well, yeah, I, I mostly do, yeah, sear it, and um, it's, I, so I'll get it nice and, and crispy and brown on the outside, but on the inside, it'll be at most a medium rare, but it's mostly rare, hmm. and then sometimes it's just seared, you know, um, but uh, yeah, I, I like it more on the rare side. That that's just just my my tastes have naturally veered that way. I, I will drink eggs raw. Um, they actually don't taste bad as long as long as you mix them up. I mean, it's just like the texture. You put of like some just, salt in there, right? I do. Yeah, yeah. I put a bit of salt and mix that up. Yeah, and then I and then I use a fork and, and break them up and sort of mix it around like I was going to make scrambled eggs. And you drink that, and it actually just mm -hmm. tastes like scrambled eggs. Um, if you're just drinking it down, and you're getting this blump, blump, blump of the of the egg yolks. It's just kind of a, a Rocky did gross it, but I, you know, Rocky did it, but yeah. I wasn't too excited about. It. Yeah, you look like you've got some real muscle. Do you think um, if you just keep, continued your diet and didn't do any more weight lifting, right? Do you think that you would hang in there with the Nice body, or would you get flab? No, no. So, I mean, I have. You, you are looking at a at a sedentary Anthony. You are looking at someone who has been to the gym maybe four times in the last four months. Oh, really? so, so uh, you, wow, yeah. wow. Yeah, yeah. So this this is this is what I look like when I when I don't work out, huh. and uh, and I still maintain you know you know below ten percent body fat. That 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 doesn't change. Um, and so you know if i'm if i'm working out a lot i might might get you know much more lean and 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 hard but um you know i i think the lowest i've gotten down to is 
you know, probably around, you know, 5% body fat four 5% body fat. And, um, you know, that's when I was, I was putting a lot of work. I was, I was playing rugby and going to the gym regularly. And I was, I was, I was, you know, pretty ripped, but hmm. just, just, um, whether or not I'm working out, you know, my body will maintain that, that musculature. I won't be as, as, as heavy and bulky, um, that will go away, but it goes away very slowly and it comes back very quickly. And so, you know, I was, I was normally around 240. That's sort of the amount that I can work out with work. If I'm working out sort of four days a week, you know, for like an hour, hour and a half a day and, and eating as much as my body wants, usually twice a day in that case, you know, I would maintain around 245 pounds or 240 pounds or so. And you know, six to eight percent body fat. But you just get and hungrier than when when you work out, yeah. right? You just you just eat yeah, more. Exactly. Yeah, you just you, you yeah. just eat more. Yeah. What what yeah. is yeah, uh, Zoli yeah. wants to know what Dr. Chafee thinks is the ideal fasting. Oh, that's a good question. Fasting blood sugar. You know, you do your little pen thing. What do you, what do you think? What yeah. would be like the your Dalai Lama blood sugar fasting? What would it be? You know, it's, um, it is dependent on, on the person, but, you know, anywhere around, you know, 80 to 100 is totally fine. Um, you know, you get a bit below that sort of down and towards, towards 60, you, you might feel the effects of that. But at the same time, some people don't. And you, you will be running on a lot of ketones as well, and especially your brain. Uh, your brain predominantly runs on ketones. This is, a, this is something, um, another sort of, uh, you know, myth out there uh, that people are propagating now is that, that your brain runs on glucose. That's its primary energy source. The reason they say that is is because when you look at biochemistry, uh, you look at a fed state and a fasting state. In a, in a fed state, your brain is predominantly running on glucose. That's true, but it also runs on ketones. Your brain always runs on ketones. There's, there's no time that your brain is not running on ketones. Um, and when you're, but the reason that you're running on glucose uh, when you're in a fed state is because you have an abundance of glucose and you have a paucity of ketones. And when you go back into a ketogenic side, um, metabolism, which, which I don't think of as a fasting metabolism. I argue that that's our primary metabolism. That's a primary metabolism of all animals in the wild pretty much. And this is where all of our heavy machinery come to bear. And as your, you know, your glucose can stay up high, but as your ketones start climbing up, it gets to a certain point, your brain just ditches all the glucose and only runs on ketones and it's just like right get out of here so in fact mm. I, you know i you know was taught in biochemistry you know 20 some years ago that no ketones are our brain's primary energy source because it's always running on ketones no matter what no and matter we what make ketones in. because we're eating meat <laughs> yes but that you know ketones are made from uh you know breaking down fat for energy oh breaking down fat so that's why yeah. you just don't gain fat by eating fat and meat because you're always yeah. you're always breaking it down. Yeah, we're using it. You're using yeah, exactly. And you know, yeah, you're, you're you're filling up your gas tank, and then you're running on your gas. You know that that's how that works. You know, what people say is like, oh no no no, your fat stores are just in case you get like lost in the desert somewhere and you have to survive <laughs> for weeks at a time. And like, well, that's dumb. Like, how how often does that happen? You have this entire process that that only comes around like when when you have this extreme circumstance. No, that doesn't make any sense. You know, why would you put gas in your gas tank and then and then put a cork in your gas tank to your engine? You know, and like oh, and just start, start pouring indirectly into your into your engine. No, no no no, that's just that's just in case I get lost somewhere. You know, it's like well no, like that that's your main fuel source you know you fill up your you know you've, you you bring in nutrients and you run on some of those nutrients and you store others and then you just run on those nutrients and so you actually just run on your fat stores at all times wow. when you're in it when you're in a ketogenic state 
you know, I found uh, uh, just in one month uh, eating just meat, um, uh, the level of clarity that really is interesting. You know, I don't know what that's about. You know, maybe maybe the carbs just gunk up your your brain or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Is that what it is? They do. Yeah. The sugar? Yeah, no, no. The sugar? Well, so, so think about it this way. So when we talk about, you know, I was you know, saying that like, you know, Alzheimer's is, is called type three diabetes, right? So the reason being is that, you know, you get insulin resistance, you know, peripheral insulin resistance, which is a hallmark of type two diabetes where the insulin doesn't work as well. Your insulin is going higher and higher and higher and you're getting less of a, of a response. Um, yeah. And so, you know, that, that happens in your brain too, you know, so now your brain isn't as sensitive to, to glucose and your brain isn't getting enough energy and you're also not eating fat and you're not eating cholesterol. And so your brain's not actually being able to maintain its, its normal function and structure mm. because every minute that we're awake, we're getting low grade brain damage because that's just what happens when your neurons are firing, they're actually damaging themselves. And so you need to turn them off. You need to sleep and you need to cycle them in order to keep them healthy. Um, so if you're not getting you know, fat, saturated fat and cholesterol, which is what your brain is made out of, you know, you're not going to have the building blocks to rebuild these, these structures. But if you're eating carbohydrates all the time, you're also going to build up insulin resistance and resistance to the glucose. And so you're not going to get as much energy. So you're, you're going to be hitting yourself in, in several different angles. And so this is why uh, there's there's uh, studies that have been done by putting uh, Alzheimer's patients with full-blown Alzheimer's put them on a ketogenic diet. They found that that has better efficacy than every medication ever trialed for Alzheimer's. Is that right? Wow. On a keto, yeah. keto diet. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the reason being is because you have insulin resistance in your brain. And so you're not getting all the energy into your brain. So your brain doesn't work, you know, funny enough. And so <laughs> when you switch into ketosis, all of a sudden your brain's now, like I said, just slams up on the ketones. It just ignores the glucose. Even if there's more glucose than ketones, it just says, screw glucose. We've got ketones now. That's what we want. Now your brain's running on ketones and you just wake up. Wow. And with Alzheimer's, wake up. Now there's damage done as well. You know, you can look on, on an MRI and then the brain is not the same as it was yes, before you can see that it. set in. But you, you, it works much better and it stops breaking down. And I would bet you if people went on like a carnivore diet or even a keto diet with high fat and meat content, that they would probably reverse some of that damage as well. And the brain would could. probably... What's the main I difference between a keto so, yeah. diet and a carnivore? Keto adds what? Keto people? Yeah, so so keto is 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 just you don't eat carbs. You can still be a vegetarian okay. or even a vegan you and don't. be keto. It's just you're not eating carbohydrates or sugar. And so you're just going to be in a ketogenic state. And you know, so the, you know, the people that do keto recognize that, that carbohydrates are harmful. But you know, we we, we get very um, focused on one thing at a time, and, you know, just like cholesterol, cholesterol is bad, don't eat cholesterol. And so, you know, we we just yeah. spent you know 40 years just doing you know anything that had <laughs> cholesterol was bad anything with without you know anything that didn't have cholesterol was good for you anything with cholesterol was bad for you it was very simplistic well then you know keto came in and said no carbohydrates are bad anything with carbohydrates are bad anything without carbohydrates are okay uh, even artificial sweeteners, which are totally not okay. They can still give an insulin response. They can still cause pro other problems in your body as well. Um, and uh, obviously there are other toxins in plants. So, you know, yes, carbohydrates are bad for you, but there are other things that are bad as well. So carnivore is, is, is a furthering of that idea that there are bad things that we don't want to eat, carbohydrates being one of them, mm -hmm. but then 
you know, following it up with the rest of the plants, the plants. as well. So as a neurosurgeon, I, I suspect there's times when you have to just stand on your feet for hours at a time yeah. in somebody's brain, right? And did you, yeah. have you found a big difference uh, when you were not carnivore and working as a neurosurgeon? Was it, could you? Oh, s- yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, even, even just, you know, just, we're just working the hours that you would do. You know, when I first started out, you know, we're doing like, you know, 24 hour shifts, sometimes 36 hour shifts, wow. maybe you would get sleep, maybe you wouldn't. Uh, it was very, very demanding. It was very difficult. It was, it was not fun. Uh, now I do that as a matter of course. So it's like, I, I may do, do that twice a week. Well, quite yeah, a, I do that. You know, stay up for 24, yeah. 36 hours and, and work. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So i you know, I might be on call twice a week. And so I would be working all day. Then I'd be working all night because I'm on call and on call for some specialties means that maybe you get a couple calls at night. Maybe you don't, uh, on call for neurosurgery means you are probably not going to sleep. <laughs> you're either just going to get hounded with phone calls or you're going to be in doing surgery and seeing patients that are, that are, uh, in trouble. And so you often don't get sleep. Sometimes you may, may get a bit of sleep. But you're certainly not going to get a whole night's sleep. And mm. then you're working the whole next day. And so you can, we can be working 36 hours twice a week easily. I, I, you know, I just do that now, you know, it's not, it's not fun. Like I don't want to not sleep, but I can do it. You know, it's not, it's not a problem, you know, whereas before it was problem. Like I was not happy. It was not, uh, it was not a, a good situation. When you're in somebody's brain looking at it, all right, before we go, I'll let you go here. Since it's about four in the morning there, if I keep you up here, you have to go to work. What time do you have to go to work today? Uh, I've got to be up in three hours. Oh, go, go. Oh, i got to let you go. Okay, final question. <laughs> when you're looking in the brain, poor, so sorry. Um, when you're looking at the brain, can you actually, knowing what you know, see things that are in the brain that you know that are dietary related? Um, Is it yes, that simple? in a sense. There's, there's, sense? there's something called the Maillard reaction, as, as um, uh, apparently the discredited uh, Dr. Lustig uh, talks about. <laughs> Is that um, something called the, Poor Dr. the Lustig Maillard reaction? Yeah, Professor Emeritus of, of uh, pediatric and uh, of neuroendocrinology um, uh, is apparently uh, discredited. Uh, he is absolutely not. His his, his research is is extremely uh, well done and well researched, but. Um, he, you know, he talks about like uh, the Maillard reaction, which is which is like the browning effect. So if you're if you're cooking a steak and that that browning that happens, that's a chemical reaction called a Maillard reaction. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of you think of it as oxidation. Um, that that happens in your body. So you're eating carbohydrates, you're eating sugar, you're drinking alcohol. There's actually a browning of your body and your browning of bones. Oh, they call so, it brown know, fat have, disease, right? Brown fat or liposuction. Right. No, brown, brown, brown fat is different. So oh, brown fat ha- just has, a, it looks brown because it has a bunch of mitochondria in it. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that's, uh, that's a bit different. But um, the browning, you, you get like browning of, of bones, you know, so like your, your, your skull or something like that. And a baby, it's just bright white, you know, it's like ivory, wow. right? And then, you know, someone's older, it's all yellowed and it sort of gets yellowy brown as well. So that's that Maillard reaction. That's from, from years and years and years of oxidative stress and glycation uh, from these, uh, you know, just, just sugar molecules uh, that, that do exactly as we talked about doing. They, mm. just, they just physically fuse and uh, stick onto other molecules and just damage them. And you can actually see that physically, yeah, in the Maillard reaction. You can see that. <laughs> yeah. Well, Dr. Yeah. Uh, uh, Chavey, it's just uh, been an honor to have you here. It's been great fun. Why don't you uh, tell folks 
where they can uh, follow you or you know you got you got social media things going on you're building your website yeah where they can look at your stuff yeah so you know a lot of my stuff is on youtube i have a lot of videos on there i really only started doing this sort of in december just because i just i just thought it was important to sort of get kind of fun uh, yeah. this information out there yeah and so but, there, but i still have a lot of stuff on there i have like over 70 videos uh, i've got a lot of um resources on instagram as well and like different blogs i sort of tucked away there now but my my instagram is is anthony chafee md my website oh, my um youtube channel is the same as anthony chafee md um and i have a podcast called the plant free md uh because that's that's my whole shtick is that i don't want to eat plants <laughs> and um also i have a website that's currently in, in construction but it will hopefully be up soon uh and that's just the carnivore life Dot com and i'll have different different blog posts and uh testimonials from different people oh, that cool. that uh, have been helped along the way and a lot of different writings and thoughts that i've had on different things to sort of help people uh, you know talking about fruit talking about sugar talking about cholesterol talking about how to build muscle how to you know fat loss all these sorts of things um those will all be up there as well and uh yeah and that's that's uh those are the main ones anyway. and um well, thanks for being here, and uh, have a good day at work today after you get a couple hours rest, and uh, yeah. come back anytime, and uh, uh, we should have you back after I've been doing this for about six months, see if I'm, like, big and strong yeah. like you. <laughs> no, absolutely. No, you'll, you'll feel better. Like, the longer you go, the better you feel. You know, you're, you're just in a sweet spot right now, and I'm actually really excited for you, because you know, after that two weeks, you get, you get most of the crap out of your system, uh -huh. and then your body just starts really running put on the muscle uh, and and you will continue to see you know very dramatic changes and i can in start lifting habits. right and i can start lifting a little bit now that oh, yeah. i got more energy absolutely so, yeah 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 well yeah i i, I just you, you your body rewards you and i talk about this in some of my blog posts and videos is that you know because of you're in this metab metabolic state um, we feel better when we burn energy. This is why we take, uh, you know, uh, uppers and things like that, like, uh, you mm. know, coffee or st stimulants because they, they force your body to burn more energy and we feel better when we burn energy. Well, a lot of people take caffeine or they take these, uh, you know, these stimulants in order to, they can have energy so they can go work out. Whereas when you're in the, the, your normal me metabolic state, which we call a, a fasting state, which is not a fasting state, um, you mobilize you, you mobilize energy based on what you're doing so from your fast source so you know sitting here talking to you i'm i'm producing the exact amount of energy i need to sit here and talk to you and when i start working out i produce the exact amount of energy i need to do whatever i'm doing and so, so because i need hmm. more energy when i'm working out i will burn more energy and i will feel better because it feels better when you're burning energy and so i will like that and i will naturally want to work harder which will m burn more energy which will make me feel better which will make me want to work harder so it's this positive feedback loop and you just feel charged all the time you just want to do more yeah. and you want to be more to be more creative active. so yeah and to be more creative which is yeah. why we're here right on this earth yeah. right? to be creative to do stuff to make things yeah or, i don't know help people whatever whatever we're going to do right i mean what else yeah. what else could we be here for not to not to eat pizza and have sex not that that's bad but you know what i mean yeah <laughs> yeah i'd rather eat steak and have sex but like you know it's um <laughs> it's uh you know they're, they're, but yeah you're right you know we're, we are here 
to, to be active and to do to things, do things whether that's right yeah. yeah whether that's you know, you know mentally or physically like we we are here to do things and and when your body is running properly and when you give this proper nutrition your brain works better your body works better and you just naturally want to get out and and do things or paint or write or yeah. or or just do anything that you you find makes you happy and you will find that you actually are a lot more happy because you know depression has been strongly linked to low cholesterol and suicide has also been linked to low cholesterol as well and i've also noticed that people just eating, even though they go ketogenic and they're having more cholesterol and fat uh, and they're still eating plants that actually that's holding them back as well and that's i certainly found that to be the case for me and that's what that that gentleman was uh you know referencing to you before it's a story that i talk about when i when i was doing this and you know my parents started doing carnivore and they my mom put like every herb that she had ever heard of on this lamb roast right. and i was just like mom you're not, you're not supposed to do plants oh, no, no no no, this is just the meat you know we're not having any any salads or anything like that i'm like but there's, there's plants those are plants you're not supposed to have those oh no 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 but this is just the meat and it's like well you know i can tip cocaine into my coffee and just say no no no, this is just coffee no it looks like coffee so it's just coffee it's like well there's, there's more going on there and so I said, like, all right, well, you know, I'll just try it out and, and just see what it does because I, I was I was interested in seeing these effects. And uh, and and as the guy said, I was I was very depressed to the point of, of considering suicide. Actually, actually, really, just really eating a bunch of going. spices and stuff. Isn't that weird? Yeah, yeah, the herbs. Yeah, yeah, the just herbs. like whatever hell they put on cilantro and some other sorts of nonsense. Uh, I was absolutely just I, I was getting so upset at, at dinner uh with my family and I, it was nothing and, you know i think back and i was just like they didn't say anything that was really like offensive or upsetting i was just getting really upset how long ago and, was this I, a long time ago long time oh four or five years ago yeah. something like that. wow interesting yeah, it was really on it's amazing yeah. that, that these uh these plants or any foods can affect us so much i mean they do isn't it yeah. amazing though when we really get clear yeah. and feel what what we're eating you know it's just yeah yeah it's pretty amazing yeah and when, you, and when you feel how you're supposed to feel that's why you don't want to go back and that's why when you eat something else it starts making you feel crappy it's not that it's making you feel more crappy than you did before it's just now you can see the difference yeah you know now you actually feel like you're supposed to feel you know and that's why i said people was like i feel like a different breed of human you know and and in a lot of ways i am because my body is working completely differently to everybody else and so when i put that in my body it starts it starts bringing me down a few notches and it's just like no thank you i do not want that <laughs> I don't, you know I don't <laughs> so, no thank you yeah. well dr chafee yeah. thanks so much for being here have a nice uh, sleep and day and uh, uh, it's an honor to have you on our show sir we really appreciate it not a problem thank you very much for having me it was a pleasure okay pleasure thank you sir dr anthony chafee patrick timpone one radio network.com yeah the, the the whole reason why i wanted to try something different differently about a month ago was i'm you know i'm a screenwriter and i'm working on my third screenplay and with doing this show i just i just you know don't have the space to to really get this thing done so i need i wanted to write at night but i was whatever whatever i was eating i would eat my dinner and then you know half hour later i was like <laughs> this and there's no way there's no way I was going to get any writing done just no way and I knew I had to change it right I just knew it and so that's what I'm doing now now I can have a steak for night at night and then I just go no you know I just have energy I'm, I'm up 9 10 11 o'clock at night working on my screenplay it's a trip 
So I'm going to get some, this will, this will, I need to write a screenplay called Pork Chop or something like that. All right, I love you all very much. I'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for being here. Uh, may the blessings be. I love you all very much. See you tomorrow with Adam Bergstrom. Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com.